If you live to be a hundred, you should just make up some fake reason why just to fuck with people. Like claim you ate a pine cone every single day. <laughs> <laughs> And welcome to Freeform Friday here on Unscripted with Mike and Chris. We are here with you. Hope everything is well where you are. Episode number 463 as we put another uh, put another wrap on a week of good shows here on Unscripted. And before we do the voodoo that we usually do on Freeform Friday, we're going to do that. But um, I have a question for Chris before we get started. And... We're seeing what this coronavirus is doing. And the reason I bring this up is that the Tokyo, remember the the Tokyo games of 2020 are, you know, just around the corner, realistically. They're in August, uh, again, scheduled for Tokyo, the 2020 Summer Olympics. And the Toronto, the Toronto, the Tokyo Olympic Committee advisor or something came out on Friday and said, we're good to go here. Everything is fine. Uh, we anticipate no problems with the coronavirus. Um, I wonder if that's going to change between now and the opening ceremony. Because the reason I ask is that this is the week that they're supposed to start the uh, the torch thing around and visiting all bunch of different parts of Japan before they ultimately obviously end up in Tokyo for the opening ceremonies. But I wonder, because every athletic event that is supposed to be scheduled in the last number of weeks, maybe even now into a month, we've had LB, LPGA tournaments canceled. We've had car races canceled. We've had a bunch of different uh, sporting events canceled in China because of this coronavirus. I wonder if there is some trepidation, because if you remember... 2016, there was some virus going around with that bug in regard to Rio. And a lot of people decided not to go to Rio in 2016. I wonder if we're going to have some of the same ramifications as we approach the 2020 games in Tokyo because of this coronavirus. Maybe, but I think that'd be more mass hysteria than anything. I know within China, similar to in Brazil, there's just such a massive population, a lot of poor people, a lot of people close together, and maybe they don't have accurate care because the people who have got the coronavirus in other countries and have been in other countries with proper care at the time, it's been no big deal. They go to the hospital for a couple of days and it's basically a flu to them. Yeah, like, I mean, there's that's what the thing with all this hysteria that's lost is if you are a healthy, younger person and you get this in even a normal country with normal a normal hospital. You basically go and lay there for a day or two and you're better. Like it's 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 really just a flu, but if you're an older person, you have a weaker immune system, there's a lot of people around you and all that, then and and you don't have proper care, then then it can become something serious. Just like the flu, a lot of people maybe don't realize or have forgotten or never knew just the regular flu that we don't really think about that much. In a poorer country or where there's lots of people and they don't have proper care, the normal flu can kill you, right? right? And right. So, and so this is basically just another version of that, but it's just... And I know that they're saying that there's they're massively underreporting how many people have died in China, but that doesn't change the fact about what I'm saying. I'm not concerned about it overall. This is going to go the way of SARS and 
the bird flu and everything else. Uh, it's we're gonna forget about it in a, a year or two. But I, I, and that's not to downplay any deaths that no, have actually I, happened. But in terms of a worldwide pandemic, it's not happening. Good. Okay. Let's get on to Freeform Friday. And having said that, I hand the microphone over to the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Fluke, to get the Freeform Friday party started. Sir, the floor is yours. Thank you. Yeah, you know what? I've just been really impressed with the XFL. It's really tough to have a lot of people... Uh, to have the whole internet being positive. They've done a lot of things right. They hired excellent social media people that make the Twitter feed and all that really fun to follow. They've done lots of good stuff. Unlike the AAF that just made a random football league, they've got great new innovative concepts. You know, the the point after the touchdown where you can go for one point from the two or two points from the five or three points from the 10. There's no kicking after the touchdown. There's no, there's no uh, kicking for an extra point. Uh, and the kickoffs and, you know, double forward pass and all this. It, it You know, it's been really well received. It's been really well done. And uh, and it's been really great. A couple tweets here. Chris Collinsworth, as everybody knows from Sunday Night Football, at Collinsworth PFF. I like the XFL. Coaches I respect. Big plays. Fresh rules. And a professional broadcast. Congrats, guys. And then uh, Jeopardy Sports at Jeopardy Sports says, what is the XFL? And the clue was... This league now features crazy new concepts like having a Washington team winning football games. And so uh, anyway, I'm sure you're going to check it out at some point. I did. I I have checked it out. Okay. And are you going to check it out again? I did. I have checked it out. I saw that the uh, kickoff rule. I love it. I really do. I think it's innovative. I think that a lot of their rule changes. And again, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, you know, riding your coattails here, but I think you're absolutely right that some of these rules are going to be implemented someday in the NFL rules because I like them. Um, I was surprised by one thing, though. I'm not surprised by anything that Collinsworth just said. I like the product that I saw. Uh, The fans seem to be supportive of it. I was surprised, though, um, what Winston Moss did already. Winston Moss, and of course, there's that connectivity to me because Winston Moss was the inside linebackers coach and assistant head coach of the Green Bay Packers for the 13 years that McCarthy was in Green Bay. Winston Moss, after McCarthy was fired in Green Bay, Winston Moss went on to become the head coach and the general manager of the Los Angeles team in the XFL. And he did something I think was quite strange the first week. Um, Pepper Johnson was his defensive coordinator. Pepper Johnson was a Super Bowl-winning middle linebacker for the New York Giants back when Bill Parcells was the head coach and Bill Belichick was the defensive coordinator. And then Pepper Johnson went on to win Super Bowls as the D coordinator for Belichick in New England. And Pepper Johnson was named the first-ever defensive coordinator of the L.A. team of the XFL. And after one week, Winston Moss canned his ass. That surprised me a little bit. Something must have happened. Something must have happened. I mean, we don't... We aren't privy to everything that happened, but that on a personnel kind of thing surprised me yeah, a little it's crazy, bit. Yeah, crazy. Um, especially a, a defensive coordinator as accomplished as Pepper Johnson that has worked for obviously Parcells, Belichick, and yeah, yeah. and a lot of other names from the wonderful and wacky world of the National Football League. But overall, um, I was surprised by the attendance. I was surprised. By and, and Collinsworth made mention of it in his tweet that uh, the professional broadcast, there were a lot of guys like Joel Klatt, I heard do a game for Fox last week. He's uh, Fox's number one analyst on the 
college football uh, package. Kurt Menevee, who we all know as the host of the Fox NFL show, was doing the the lead broadcast. He was the play-by-play guy on the Fox broadcast. Um, I would agree with everything Collinsworth said, and I'm interested to see this week if the fan interest is still as good. I'd be interested to see what the television ratings were after week one and see what, conversely, they're going to be after week two. But I think this was a very positive opening for the net, for the XFL, excuse me, and I'm actually excited to see some more. Yeah, uh, it's it's amazing the difference between them and the AAF. It, it's uh, unbelievable. And you know what? Here's something that I I have to say that I was most impressed about. It wasn't gimmicky. No, like they learned. Mr. McMahon took the twenty years, got the right people to see his vision, and as long as McMahon stays out of it and allows Oliver Luck and and you know whoever else that they've got running it, I as long as Mr. McMahon allows them to do their jobs, I think the XFL is an alternative. And any time that you can give 300-plus guys an opportunity to play football, I think that's a positive. And I, I will say this. This week... Uh, the Dallas Morning News came out with an article about why Des Bryant isn't playing in the XFL. We've already well, no, but here's the reason. Sorry, that's, that's no, I know, funny. but but it, it goes along the the same lines as what we were discussing last week in regard to Colin Kaepernick. If these guys want legitimate shots to get back in the National Football League, why aren't they playing in the XFL? Yeah. If Des Bryant wants to prove to everybody that he's still healthy and can compete and contribute to an NFL team, what a better way! to play in the XFL with former NFL coaches. I mean, the Dallas coach is Bob Stoops. I mean, there should be a natural connectivity for Dez to want to still play in the Dallas area. And Stoops is a proven coach, coached at a high level. I just think guys like Kaepernick, Dez Bryant, guys that think they can still play in the NFL, why the hell aren't they in the XFL trying to ply their trade, and prove to general managers that they can still contribute to an NFL roster. I think guys like that should be playing in this league. Yeah, well, this betrays that they just want to have... Uh, well, Kaepernick's a different thing, but uh, this just betrays that uh, Des Bryant really just wants to kind of get in there, get a good payday and some some fame, and uh, hopefully catch a couple lucky red zone passes from a good quarterback and, and look like he's awesome. Okay, so if there was one thing that you and I... I think have established uh, over the course of almost 500 episodes. If there, if it's if it's well known, there's one thing you and I could change. It would be this. And now even the president of the United States is tweeting about it. And whatever you think about him, I am confident that Mike will agree with every word of this tweet from Donald J. Trump and real Donald Trump. Pete Rose played Major League Baseball for 24 seasons from 1963 to 1986 and had more hits, 4,256, than any other player by a wide margin. He gambled, but only on his own team winning, and paid a decades-long price. And then in all capital letters, Donald Trump says, Get Pete Rose into the Baseball Hall of Fame. It's time. No question. I don't think I have anything to add to that, except I agree with the sitting president of the United States. Um... 4,256 hits should garner you first ballot Hall of Fame. And compared to what baseball is going through right now, this just seems like a misdemeanor. I mean, this just... Oh. Compared to what baseball is going through now with this cheating scandal, 
Pete Rose should be back in the Hall of Fame post uh, post haste. They, no, no, no. Uh, when the guy dies, but you put oh, him posthumously. in posthumously. Thank you. Posthumously is the word I'm looking for. Shoeless Joe Jackson should be exonerated from anything that he was associated with with the 1919 Black Sox scandal. Uh, I just really believe. And you know what? This is hard for me to say because I don't like Barry Bonds. I don't like Mark McGuire. I don't, I hate Raphael Palmero. I hate all these guys that cheated by shooting things up their ass. But compared to what the Houston Astros have done, and in my opinion, have been doing since 2017, this isn't exclusive to 2017. This has been going on 2017, 2018, 2019. This has been going on. What the Houston Astros are doing is much more detrimental to the game of baseball than what Pete Rose did or what any of those, you know, uh, steroid assholes were doing. This is worse. And this is tough for me to say, but Pete Rose should be in. I have no problem with that. But now you need to think about including Messrs. McGuire, Canseco, Bonds, yada, 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 down the line, because what they did was individual. What the Astros are doing has screwed over teams, has screwed over uh, the Major League Baseball in general, and it's much more detrimental to the game of baseball than what the steroid idiots did. And I'll take it one step further with Pete Rose. I'm going to say, and I've always thought this, there is absolutely nothing wrong about what he did. Nothing. Betting, I, I am incapable of having a problem with someone betting on their own team to win. There's, there's nothing that's not even, it's not even like, and if it was something really minor, I'd still say like you, you have to let him in, but it's not even something minor to me. It's nothing. It's, he did nothing wrong, period. Well, you know, all the things that, that people would always chastise Bud Selig about during his 25-year run as commissioner of Major League Baseball was obviously the World Series being canceled in 94, the fiasco at the 2001 All-Star Game in Milwaukee in the park that he got built in Milwaukee, Miller Park, um, for all of those problems. But the one thing that I think Bud Selig should have done as soon as Bart, Bart Giamatti was the commissioner that sentenced Pete Rose to this punishment, if Giam, and then Giamatti died, if you remember, he died quite quickly after this was handed down in oh. 1989. He died. Then we didn't have a commissioner for a while. They had an acting commissioner, which was Bud Selig. Bud Selig had the authority to override this ruling years ago. And I think... After the the biggest problem I have was losing the World Series in '94 because the Expos should have won, and you'd still have a team in Montreal today in a brand new downtown stadium if the Expos win the '94 World Series as they should have. But after that disgrace, the biggest disgrace in Bud Selig's commissionership, in my opinion, was not reinstating Pete Rose. He had the authority yep. and the ability to do it. He should have done it. That's 100%, 100%, 100%. Okay, uh, Atheist Republic at Atheist Republic. If you live to be 100, you should just make up some fake reason why, just to fuck with people. Like claim you ate a pine cone every single day. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm not going to make it to 100, uh, but I know a couple people that might. And if they get to that magic number, they should be singing the praises of anybody that'll, excuse me, anybody that'll listen to them, how they did it. How they did it, I met yesterday, funny as hell, funny story, true story. 
Um, Judy is working for a lady that makes, she's a, uh, she's a doctor, but she has now gone back to the old thing of doing house calls. Mm. And it's a brilliant business sure, concept, sure. especially with older people in the outlying areas in Calgary that can't get to one of our hospitals. And she really, she has made it very convenient to make herself available at a price, but Hey, nobody does anything for free, but I met a 100 year old lady, 101 year old lady yesterday, sweetest lady that I've met in a long, long time. And she says to me, cause I asked her, I said, what's your success? She goes, my husband and I used to get busy once a week when he was still around. And ever since we were first married, we'd always have a glass of wine with dinner. Just one, but we'd have a glass of wine with dinner every night. And she goes, you're asking me my success. My success was I had a glass of wine for dinner every night. Calm me down. And everybody, especially when you get to 101, you can't get the blood rate going too high. She says... Part of her success was was good, strong, you know, living, but she was always helped by a glass of wine at dinner every night. Well, the latest research does show that one of the best anti-aging things you can do is to take something called resveratrol, which is a key ingredient in or a key part of red wine. So if you take... Now, some of them have very little in it, but I, I've been taking these pills. I'm out now. I need to order some more. But I was taking these pills where each pill has as much resveratrol as 820 glasses of red wine. Oh, my. And uh, it's supposed to be one of the best things you can take uh, to reduce aging, resveratrol. Wow. So, yeah. So, I mean, maybe uh, maybe that helped her out. Absolutely. You make it to 101, you've accomplished a lot. Yep, absolutely. Kurt Douglas just died last week. The 103. 103. The famous uh, Spartacus. Yeah, good for him. Dies at 103. Good for him. All right, this is actually a huge story. Uh, we almost should have uh, talked about this during the regular week here, but so uh, there's. But we a, had a few things to talk. We about. definitely did, uh, definitely, yeah. Especially uh, that's one of the rare times we've spent an entire forty-plus minute episode on one topic. One topic. So, yeah. Okay, but this is, and it's not big yet, but this is the start of something big here, and it's just a, a small state and everything. But so Mark Raimondi at Mark underscore Raimondi, uh, who's a very good uh, mixed martial arts reporter. Mm-hmm. Uh, he reported that Kansas, so the state of Kansas, uh, to offer real-time scoring in MMA fights, and Ariel Hawani at Ariel Hawani said, I'm in, and this is big, because what other sport do the participants not know the score? Honestly, can you tell me another sport where nobody has an idea what the score is, except for the judges, right? Wrestling. I mean, yeah, well, I mean, maybe some other judge sports, but even those ones, like, will, right after they do... A, any round or anything, they'll get their scores or whatever. In MMA, um, and I guess I guess boxing is the same thing, but it's the same commission, so we'll we'll count it as sure. the same thing. Yeah, um, because they still use boxing commissions and and use boxing judging, and that's part of the problem because these guys don't know how to judge mixed martial arts. They know how to judge boxing right. and barely know how to do that. But anyway, so now there look there's going to be this push now, and it's because of our idiot piece of shit who's probably going to be a number one on my list, John Jones. Because of he has now, in my opinion, lost two fights in a row. Correct. By but the judges saved him because they have hero worship. They just I think some guys just kind of are default to the bigger star uh, if they don't know what who to pick otherwise. But as far as I'm concerned, Dominic Reyes and Tiago Santos both beat him cleanly, and the judges bailed him out. And then you don't have no no one has any idea what the score is until all five rounds, 25 minutes of fighting are done. 
and it's ridiculous. I mean, and then when you hear the the judging, and one of the scar the cards was forty nine forty six. I was like, oh, okay, well, it had to be. It absolutely has to be. Uh, it has to be Reyes one then. And I mean, it was the only. And this guy has now come under the microscope. And this one judge uh, has a lot of problems. He was. He's been shown that he did the wrong thing like eight out of ten times or something. He has no idea what he's doing. This Joe Solis guy. But uh, so now that we've seen that. People don't know till the end what's going on. If after each round, the judges have to say what their scorecard says, okay. then the guy's, okay, well, now I know. Because I mean, that, that'll adjust your your philosophy well, and your yes. game plan moving forward. Well, yeah. yes, because Dominic Reyes thought that he won the first three rounds. So all he has to do is, I mean, obviously avoid getting knocked out or submitted. But in the if rounds four and five, if he just loses 10-9, he wins. Sure. If, he's up, if, if he, he wins, wins the first, the first three, three rounds. Yeah. Now, yeah, he has to make sure he doesn't lose a 10-8. He can't get like just completely dominated in a round and get a 10-8 round. That would be bad. Then he could get a draw. But if you win the first three rounds and you lose the next two 10-9, you win. You win the match. You win the title. You're the first guy to ever get a non-disqualification victory against John Jones. Everything is great and you can coast. But if you know that it's tied or you're down around or whatever, you can adjust your strategy. You can go for the knock out if there's a minute left and you're losing like you it, it changes everything there's no other anything other than scored things like boxing and mma like imagine if hockey players like didn't know score like you're playing and then a goal happens and then they had medical technology to erase everyone's memories and no one knows the score like it's ridiculous right. it's right. insane for sure so congratulations to the state of kansas and their commission here for adopting real-time scoring this is a huge this could this, this could, could this, this could, could change a, the mma yeah this and boxing and everything else this could be a watershed moment in and maybe even some olympic sports this could yes this could be a watershed moment in the history of sports and good for kansas for doing it i hope every state follows i hope it's just like the ncaa thing with uh, athletes being able to be paid i hope one state does it and every state follows suit your thoughts on this? I couldn't agree more. Um, I think that they have to have some idea. Transparency. Trans- there's there's the key word right there. Transparency is key. I have a question for you, if I may. Mm-hmm. Um, I have started to read, at your suggestion, Ariel Helwani stuff. Oh, he's Very talented he's young man. He's Very talented young man, no question. But having learned about... What happened last week with John Jones and the IT teacher Reyes? Um, I have a simple question here. What happens first in your estimation? Does Reyes get a rematch with John Jones, or does John Jones go to heavyweight? Which one happens first? Wow, that's a fantastic question, Mike. Good for you. Thank you, sir. Wow, that's a good question. I well, what should happen is that Reyes deserves a rematch, and I was actually shocked that Dana White actually admitted that Dominic yeah. Reyes won the fight. It's funny because the way he said it, because pretty much everyone agreed that Jones won rounds four and five, but you know, most people, a lot of people, thought that was too late at that point because he'd already lost the first three. But the funny thing was, Dana White thinks that Reyes won the fight, but he, for some reason, even though Jones has caused him so much trouble, I guess because he's such a big star. Dana White has trouble saying anything against him. So the way Dana worded it was, I had Reyes up three rounds to one going into the fifth round. (laughs) Is the way he worded it. Beautiful. It's like, okay, so you think Reyes won then. He's had trouble admitting that in the past. He's actually tried to get the 
uh, well, I don't know whatever some governing body to overturn Jones' loss, his only his one right. loss from over ten years ago, which was a DQ loss where he was dominating the fight and he did the twelve six elbows. And so he's trying to make that so so that they can say undefeated in the lead up to this last fight. They had him promoted as undefeated light heavyweight champion and all this shit. And it's just like, fuck, it's so annoying. So uh, the the correct thing to do would be to give Reyes the rematch. What would be good is if they fought again, Reyes wins. And then that would make sense. Right. I mean, like then, OK, now Jones has a loss, but now it's hard to get excited about going back to light heavyweight. Then you've done your thing there. Right. Um, at that point, then if I, then it would make sense to go to heavyweight. So I hope that's what happens. Uh, if he goes to heavyweight, I don't think he's going to do it. I, I can see some guys destroying. I could see Stipe knocking him out. Uh, I, I don't. And the fact that Reyes did this well against him, I think it's going to be at least that hard against the heavyweights there. So uh, I definitely hope he goes to heavyweight at some point. But the right thing to do, and I hope this happens, and since Dana admitted that Reyes won the first three rounds... I hope that Dana does make the rematch there. And I think the rematch should do good business. Like you have finally a legitimate challenger to John Jones, a guy that clearly has shown he can beat him. And so I I think that's the right thing to do. So to answer your question, I'll say the rematch with Reyes. And I don't think that fighting anyone else at light heavyweight makes sense. Like, you know, and so that's what I'd like to see. I hope he beats him there. Uh, and then uh, and then Jones can go to heavyweight. But great question, though. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate uh, that. Yeah, okay. Every uh, once in a while, you get lucky. Oh, no problem. Uh, okay, Las Vegas locally. At Las Vegas locally, does anyone in Vegas actually own an umbrella? <laughs> That's funny. Um, yes. I, I want an actual yes, answer. Yes, actually, they do. Because here's the thing that a lot of people don't know uh, in regard to Vegas. Las Vegas, it rains on average 23 times a year in Las Vegas. Okay. Not 23 inches, not, it rains 23 times. And some of those times are very tiny. It could be five-minute shower. Mm. It could be a two-day thing. Um, I remember one time when I was living there full-time that it rained so hard for two days that there was a casino that was right across from the Caesars Palace now that you'd have to drive to get to the the valet underneath and it flooded out because Vegas doesn't have uh stormwater facilities you know how you have here you They don't have storm drains in Vegas. No, because it's so infrequent that it rains that they don't have you know, on, along the side of the roads, you know, in, in the developments that I do, you've got to put curb and gutter in. So you're so you're walking through a residential neighborhood in Vegas, and there's no storm drains there. It's well, just... they 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 have in in residential, but like, it's it's not as in depth, or it's not as, as... it's not like a citywide infrastructure. Correct. They'll just have a storm drain like on your street, and it'll just have like a little bit of a. And it'll go to a it'll go to a collection kind of a collection area, and it'll just it's not tied into larger infrastructure. No, it's just God, like no. a no, little. No. No, so no, they have no. something, but they have something, but not not as regulated as we are here. And it's sufficient, probably. For oh, for them. sure it is, because again, okay. it only rains twenty three times over the course of a three hundred and sixty five day calendar. So you might go the heaviest month for rain in Vegas is always February. And March is beautiful. April is beautiful. Um, you might not see rain again till July, and it'll rain for four minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very infrequent. But yes, to answer your question, there is an umbrella. I've seen an umbrella. I think I owned one once when I lived there. 
Uh, I, I do know that there's an umbrella at Jack and Sharon's house right by the front door for those for those few occasions where it is raining and they have to walk out to get their mail. But uh, tourists usually don't have the umbrellas, but the locals do for sure. Interesting. Well, you know what? I mean, I think you want to retire in Vegas. Uh, Martina and I want to retire in Vegas. Ryan and Nicole want to retire in Vegas is the plan as well. So Well, maybe- then I think we can do unscripted till we got 5,000 episodes and we'll just have a whole bunch of more people playing along. Yeah, awesome. Okay, this sign, you know when people have a sign outside and then people mess with it and they change it? I thought that happened here, but no, I don't think it, on second thought, I don't think it did. At first, I only saw the dirty meaning. I didn't see the, the real one. So Atheist Republic at Atheist Republic posted this. This is from the Riverside Baptist Church somewhere. And I thought this was great. So it said, spend your Sunday here and the rest of the week beating off the devil with both hands. <laughs> I love that. Um, I don't have much comment for it, but I sure enjoyed it. Let's just oh, leave man. it at that. Um, I, I do need to make uh, a comment about uh, if someday we can pull this off and Ryan and his wife and Nicole and uh, you and Martina, and I'll be there for sure. I mean, I, I, I know I'll be inheriting at least one house. If we can all do that, the... Uh, Nicole can't come into the studio with us because she'd automatically be the smartest person in the room. <laughs> uh, well, no she, disrespect, Nicole. That's just total respect for you, my new friend. She she did marry Ryan, but that's okay. Well, so, you, you know, know, you know, it's okay. Everybody has a weak moment yeah, or two. That's, that's fine. Yeah, I was look there. At, look at Judy. She had a bunch of weak moments. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the Onion at the Onion. Gianna Santacampo to take off next three seasons with standard European paternity leave. You know, uh, Giannis had a son, Liam Charles Antetokounmpo, on Monday of this week, and he missed the Bucks Monday game. They won against Sacramento, but he did not play again in the Wednesday game of against Indiana. Um, you know what? LeBron James recently told Giannis Antetokounmpo, don't worry about the 70 wins. Michael Jordan said to Mark Lazary, who's one of the co-owners of the Milwaukee Bucks, same thing. Don't get so fixated on getting to 70. Make sure you got your you-know-what in line and go for a championship. A championship is obviously much more important. There's a reason that only two teams have ever won 70 games in an 82-game NBA regular season. And that's the 70, excuse me, the 2016 Golden State Warriors and the 1996 Chicago Bulls. And and of those two teams, only one of them won won the prize. Again, 2016, LeBron James leads the the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers on a Herculean effort, and they're down three to one. They come back and beat record wise the best team in NBA history. Uh, I'm in total agreement with this. Um, are they going to remember the 2020 Milwaukee Bucks more for winning a championship or a team that potentially could win 70 games? Um, Milwaukee hasn't won a championship since 1971, haven't played in the final since 1974. Um, Milwaukee needs to concentrate their energies here on the second half on winning a championship. And uh, when Michael Jordan is telling one of the co-owners of the Milwaukee Bucks, concentrate on getting the championship, that will ultimately keep Giannis in town. If you get to 70 wins and don't win the championship, Giannis might leave. I think you have better chances of keeping Giannis long-term in Milwaukee if they win a championship 
this season, and I think that should be the focus right there. Giannis, as I said in one of our previous episodes, the Bucks have played six games this year without Giannis. They've won five. They can still be a good team. With Giannis, they're a great team, and that's the difference. And right now, a great team will be memorized more for winning a championship than winning 70 regular season games. Absolutely. Okay, three things left here. This was actually an interesting story this week. Uh, a lot of places reported it about how Jameis Winston underwent LASIK surgery to yep. repair his vision. Yep. Field Yates at Field Yates had a really good tweet. Goodbye, 3030. Hello, 2020. <laughs> and I thought that was good. And it's funny, for Valentine's Day yesterday, I found a, uh, a little card you can put in flowers or whatever on the internet. And so I showed it to Martina. It has a picture of Jameis and it says, you intercepted my heart. And <laughs> <laughs> so it's good. But anyway, any thoughts on Jameis uh, getting what? eye surgery? I think this was this... Anything you can do to improve yourself, and especially when the when the team is paying for it, and I know he's a free agent now, but you know, regardless, even him being a free agent, he can still afford LASIK surgery. I think this is a proactive move by Jameis Winston to improve himself, and I think with his physical ability and now the and now the ability to see, I think somebody is has probably put him in a different category in regard to potential opportunities for next year. And um, I don't think that opportunity is going to be in Tampa Bay, but I do think that Jameis Winston is going to get signed on somewhere. And I think somebody is going to be very happy that they're going to take a potential chance on Jameis Winston. I think the ability is there. Now we've corrected one of the potential problems. I don't care how strong your arm is. And both of us wear glasses. We know. I don't care how strong your arm is, how accurate your arm is is if you can't really see your target or if it's fuzzy at best, you're going to have a hell of a time, even if you're Tom freaking Brady. So I applaud Jameis Winston for recognizing that he had some deficiencies and he's going out to fix those deficiencies. And hopefully for him, um, it only makes him a better quarterback next year for some team in the National Football League. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, This was interesting. So up here in Canada, weed is legal, but in other places like Ohio... It isn't. So people try to come up with creative reasons why they need medical marijuana, right? So (laughs) this is pretty good. So uh, this is what they came up with in Ohio. So Adam Schefter at Adam Schefter. Ohio Medical Board Committee says being a fan of the Browns and Bengals, not enough for medical marijuana. Well, first and foremost, I need to say that. And as good a line as that is by Adam Schefter, if you didn't know, Schefter is a graduate of the University of Michigan. So automatically, Schefter hates everything that involves the state of Ohio. So I'll just say that. But yes, because having to watch the Browns and the Bengals are not enough to qualify you for a medical marijuana license. Um, But, you know, again, like betting, like a lot of things, I think only time will tell. But hopefully the state of Ohio, I mean, if you are a state that is that is finding some financial difficulty right now in these difficult economic times. What a way to clear the books. You don't have to smoke it, but if you have a way to enhance your you know your your bottom line and if that way is to legalizing pot, I mean, you I use Calgary as an example. They were very hesitant to legalize pot here. And they were supposed to do it last year on April 20th. And that's where the 420 thing came from, as it was explained to me. And then it was going to happen April, excuse me, October 1st. And then it was going to happen, whatever, whatever. Finally happened in the late stages of 2019. We have legal marijuana that you can buy here in Canada over the counter now. But here's the funny thing. People have found 
with the oil in flux around here and no help from our friends back east. But I have seen pot shops in this city pop up everywhere. Um, perfect example in Strathcona, up on the hill where I live, here in Calgary, southwest Calgary, there was an um, uh, Italian restaurant called Why Not Italian that didn't do so well when under. But they had a huge area. I mean, a restaurant is a, is by square foot is expensive. What do they replace it with? Pot shop. So people are realizing that, okay, the, the economy is in the toilet here right now. Oil is worthless until we can ever build a pipeline and do what we need to do and get our number one export out of this province until we figure that out. We've got to be open to different ideas outside the box. And one of the things filling that outside the box opportunities seems to be pot. So I'm not condoning it. I'm not, you know, I'm not against it as long as it creates jobs and improves our economy. I don't care what the hell they're selling. If it improves our jobs and improves our economy, that's all good. That, that's good to me. And I don't, you know, however a man makes his, I'll remember, I always remember this. Um, Robert De Niro, who I have great respect for, you've heard me talk about him before, but one of the opening lines of the movie Untouchables with, uh, what's his face? Kevin Costner as Elliot Ness. I'll never forget one of the first things uh, Al Pacino, well, he's playing Al, he's playing uh, Al Capone, excuse me, Robert De Niro says, I don't care what a man is doing for his business, but as long as he can provide for his family, it's okay for me. And I take that kind of, I take that kind of stance, if you will, because as long as the federal government legalizes it and okays it and licenses it and they tax it, which they do heavily, everybody wins, wins. As long as you're providing for your family, I don't care how you're doing it. That's fair. Okay, last tweet of the day. Ron White at Ron underscore White. Love Ron White. If you believe you'll suddenly get your shit together at a certain age, I can confirm it ain't 60. He turned 60 this year. I guess so, yeah. I guess so. Um, yeah, you know, I'm 55, and I'm trying to get my shit straight, so uh, I don't think there's a number. I think it's more about opportunity and pursuing opportunities, which I finally have been able to do, and given this opportunity, I'd like to thank all of my new colleagues at... E2 and Associates here in Calgary, and uh, we're still working out some of the bugs, but uh, I'm a lot farther along than I was at this time last year, so um, I'm hoping to have get my shit together at 55. Um, you know, I think Ron White has got his shit together. I remember Ron White when he was just starting out as a comedian, and now he owns a home in Beverly Hills, California. So I think Ron has figured it out at age 60, and uh, I love his humor. Um, I applaud his humor, and I will continue to listen to his humor, even though it's more expensive to listen to Ron White than it used to be. But he's got bigger bills to pay because he lives in Beverly Hills, California. Remember, 90210. We've got a run on this, uh, oh, I don't know, 463 maybe? Yeah. That sounds about right. Our 463rd episode of Unscripted, our Free Forum Friday. Great way to end the week of another good week of shows here on Unscripted with Mike and Chris. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.